I'm Russ Boris, and this is A Track. John Baptiste is our guest DJ this week. Among other things, he is a composer and musician who you can see as the music director and band leader on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Earlier this year, he released the incredible album We Are. Since we spoke, he's become an Oscar winner for his work on the film Soul. And for 8-Track, he joined me from a familiar seat at his piano. Happy to welcome John Baptiste to the show. Hello. Hey, what's happening? How you feeling? Oh, great. Thank you so much, John, for doing this. Um, you have an incredible list of accolades and jobs that you're already responsible for, but uh, tonight we'll put you to DJ as well. Yeah, let's go with it. I'm ready. All right. Music is just your everyday. It's your everyday and it's your everything. It feels like more than just what you do. It feels like it's you kind of at your core, is it not? Oh, yes. It's something that it, it, it really makes me feel alive. You know, when we look at this list of songs, I mean, I think we've, we've got something pretty special here. And is it possible to not feel better after hearing this song from Ray Charles? <laughs> you know, Ray Charles is something of an anomaly because he could sing any style of music and it became the genre of Ray Charles. Makes no difference now What kind of life fate hands me I'll get along without you now. It's plain to see. I love this record because he's singing country western music. I don't care. And has figured out a way to make everything that he does, even when it's the country western, fit into the genre of Ray Charles. Whoa, I just don't worry. Cause it makes no Ray Charles, and it makes no difference now. It's just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. Well, John, congratulations on this new record. I mean, it just seems like this is probably a, a life's work in, in a sense and something you've been building towards for a long time. And my favorite quote I've seen about this is, is your own, saying that you're drawing inspiration from the past and blending it with things of the present in order to create the future. Yes. That's just great stuff. Oh, thank you very much. I love that because... Everything is everything. If you look at the history of time and you see how long human beings have been on the planet versus the, the existence of time in the planet, and you see we're just like a hair on the timeline. So I don't believe in the, the generation gap. I feel like we all are in the same generation, all, are, all humans. There's no, there's no separation. So we can learn from all the different times that we've been on this earth. Did you um did you get where you were hoping to get with this record? Yeah, I loved making it. It was so fun to make the record and work with all of the people that I, I dreamed of working with to to paint this picture. Every single person was significant to me in my life and me becoming who I am today. So this was a, a very community-based record. The community of everyone that went into making John Baptiste was involved in this record, either on the wax or behind the scenes. There's an amazing choice you have as your next pick here for a vocalist that I think maybe gets a little overlooked. Oh, yeah. And that is Lee Dorsey and The Greatest Love. Mm. You know what, man? Lee Dorsey is overlooked, and he's an amazing figure 
in terms of the tradition of, of blue collar workers who were also recording artists. The greatest love ever loved was the love I had for you. I mean, he was a mechanic. He was in the Navy. He was a boxer. <laughs> like, he, he had so many jobs. And he also just happened to meet Alan Toussaint, one of the greatest from our music and from all music. And they went in the studio and recorded a bunch of classic hits like Working in the Coal Mine, Ride Your Pony, Yes We Can Can. Oh, it was a greatest love. We had a greatest love. But I still love you. But this is like a, a, a lesser known song that shows him in that 6 8 feel singing. You know, the kind of thing of that era which you would hear Sam Cooke or you would hear Otis Redding and people like that singing. But when you hear Lee singing, he adds his own little flavor to it that, again, it's just him. There's nobody else like him. I love this. The greatest hurt ever heard was the hurt you put on me. This is 8-Track with John Baptiste. Lift up your head and keep moving. I let the paranoia haunt you. Oh, Peace to fashion, police, I wear my heart. On my sleeve, let the runway start. You know the miserable, do love company. What do you want from me and my scars? Everybody lack confidence. Everybody lack confidence. How many times my potential was anonymous? How many times the city making me promises? So I promise this. I love myself. Tremendous stuff right there, and Kendrick Lamar and I and Lee Dorsey and The Greatest Love. John, do you just constantly, when you listen to stuff, do you just immediately think, like, how could I play that? Or do you, do you hear it in a way where you're going to try to replicate that? I just As you sit at the piano, I kind of see you as, you know, just absorbing the songs differently than maybe just a casual listener. Oh, I'm hearing the intention. You know, these chords have an intention. a story in that I, I just like to listen to the stuff and and hear what's behind the music because I'm, I'm not really a technical music listener as much as I'm a spiritual listener and listen to the spirit of the person listening to the spirit of the sounds and everything together and the energy of it coming together to create a story and then I have all of the technical skills if I wanted to replicate it I could do it but I'm always trying to figure out what's behind the notes. Do you find that's how you learn more? Or even, even when you started playing, did you learn better by just picking up and hearing it that way? I, I, I like to do a lot of different ways of learning depending on what it was. I studied classical music and I would read, but then I would play things by ear and, and put that together. And that was also important. And they both fed each other. You know, you could see something in the score that you could take and put in your mind and that'll inform something that you hear and you're like oh that's the same thing that was in the score and vice versa so i i don't have one way that i like to do things but if i had a way that i thought was most effective i'll vote for playing by ear because i think when you listen to something and you play it by ear it becomes internal whereas if it's on the page you can easily forget it when you're not looking at the page did you have a teacher who would say like no you have to do the page. The page is what I need you to do. Did you have that, you know, sort of discouraging guidance, if you want to call it that? I mean, I wouldn't say it was discouraging. 
I had all different types of teachers because going to Juilliard, you have those very strict teachers in that way. And then being from New Orleans, you have a lot of teachers who are more philosophical and um, everything in between. I, I really just looked at everything that I studied and everyone that I studied with as an opportunity to take the stuff that I like and leave the stuff that I don't like and create my own methodology of how I make music. You've referred to it as as social music, which to me feels like it ranges far beyond just the music industry. It's more about, you know, how we treat each other and how we live our lives. Is that accurate? Yeah, social music is the idea of, of what music was for centuries before it was just seen as entertainment or mostly as a commodity on t-shirts and on CDs and things like that where you sell the music and it's entertainment first in, in, in culture. Before that, it was so many things. It was music for rituals, music for worship, music for people when they pass away, sacred chants and dances in the indigenous people, Native Americans. You got the rumba sessions in Cuba, drum circles in Ghana, passing around the fiddle in Appalachia. Even today in New Orleans, there's still social music. And I was just thinking about that and what that would look like in the 21st century. And that's where I came up with my whole philosophy of music, social music. The collaboration that you have next, I think, you know, kind of speaks to that and a performance of Ohio that you did with Gary Clark Jr. and Leon Bridges. Can you talk a little bit about the genesis of that performance? Oh, yeah. I was uh, really glad that we got a chance to do that. We were in Texas and Gary and Leon are from Texas. I'm from Louisiana, but um, I've been to Texas in particular after Hurricane Katrina. I spent some time in Texas with my family. So I, I just have a, a fondness for that scene of musicians and I really love both of them. And we met each other and decided we wanted to record. So that ended up being a weekend of us recording so much music. I mean, there's hours and hours of music that the world has not heard, but that was the one piece that we decided we wanted to release imminently after that session. Ten soldiers and Nixon's coming We're finally on our own This summer I hear the drumming For dead in Ohio I guess word got out, even though we were only in the studio for three days, Ken Burns, the great documentary filmmaker, heard that we were in the studio together and he was working on a documentary about Vietnam at the time and about the history of America and all the different wars. When he heard that we were in the studio, he wanted to use a piece from us. So we gave him this cover of Ohio which obviously happened after the tragic events at Kent State. So that's the only reason that has, has seen the light of day. But the other stuff will come out at the right time, and I'm excited for that. From John, Gary, and Leon to Nina. Well, I run to the river. On a track. It was boiling around to the sea. It was boiling around to the sea. It was boiling all on the day. Sinner Man and 
and the great Nina Simone here on 8-Track. John, there's a billion things we can talk about. I'd probably start just in terms of her playing. How do you get to a point as a musician of being able to do that? How much practice do you need to get to that point? Is Nina like one of those benchmarks as you're learning to play the piano where you go, I got to get to Nina status? I think you're born with it. She's special. She had something in her from the beginning. She practiced a lot, of course. I think you can get a lot done with practice and everybody has a different level of potential. But that's the beauty of music, you know? Everybody has a different level. It's like sports, you know? Everybody's not LeBron James, but everybody can play basketball. So I'm watching you at the piano there through various stages of that. Are you just replicating in your mind? Are you trying to, to keep up or you have that down? Oh, the, I like to think she was doing in there. I played this song a bunch live before. I have my own version of it as well, where I, I, I kind of take, because it's based on a folk song. So I kind of go into the folk element of it as well. And then I also go into like a, a there's a, a Middle Eastern quality when she's doing that. Like it's, it's quarter tones in her voice. So it's like 10 notes would be three on the piano. She puts 10 in there. So I like to do that kind of stuff, um, but like, you know, you could, and I could also add that on the piano. Those, those kind of scales and stuff like that. And then when she did that other part, when she did at the end there, I like that. But it's all artistic preference, you know? I just, yeah, I love it. You know, as you write and you record and then you play, is the song ever really done? Or is it just kind of have, you know, different lives or different incarnations? Oh, wow. Songs are never done because that was a live performance. I'm sure she didn't play it that way every time. That's the beauty of that recording. It captured the one moment where it was that time and circumstance coming together with that song. And I think that other styles of music, in particular when you're talking about more popular music of today or um, where, where things are more programmed, it's the same more or less every time. But for something that's like folk-based, soul, blues, jazz in particular, I love the beauty of the moment taking over the composition and it being the same song, but a different performance every time. You know, that really kind of perfectly sets up where your next pick goes. This land is your land. This land is my land. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings and their version of This Land is Your Land. Talk about reworking an old folk song. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I loved Sharon so much and um, she's amazing at taking 
things and, and making them her own as well. It's what everybody who I, I picked on this list really has in common. To the Yeah, this is an incredible song. I had the pleasure of touring with the Dap Kings after Sharon passed, uh, and we did this song every time we played it. It was just like a spirit. Her spirit would descend onto the stage, so I wanted to share this one. This is 8-Track with John Baptiste. Kanye West, Paul McCartney in four or five seconds, John Baptiste with a giant smile on your face listening to that one. What is it about that song for you? Man, it's Paul McCartney's great at this. Just the, the, the simplest things without being any simpler. It's the perfect economy of notes and phrases and lyrics. And Rihanna's voice is one of the best voices. In this recording, you gotta realize it's just like a little bass line and a guitar. And her voice is carrying, it's so expressive. And then the way that it balances this kind of almost like sing-song, melodic rap sort of thing that Kanye is doing and the way that she kind of, uh, the harmonizing with herself, just the timbre of her voice in that context, which is rare for you to hear that. Now I'm four, five from and the way that it blends the different eras of music, folk and hip hop and, and this contemporary R&B kind of sound as well. I just really like it, it's very clever. John, if you have three artists like that, they all get together, and the idea is is in one head, how does that translate when you're, you're in the studio and you're trying to work that out? How do you communicate all of that together? Get on the same page. Yeah, you just gotta get people doing something that they feel like doing. You gotta get people motivated to do something that excites them. So either that's you transferring your excitement about the idea that you have in your head to them, which may take some convincing, or it may take some sort of um, just a demonstration of what it is because it's in your head. Or your idea may go and evolve or even go completely out of the window based on the motivation that somebody else may bring to the studio, which a lot of times I feel like the more motivated people are to do something, the better the outcome will be, in particular when you don't have a lot of time. And the other way of doing it is just to do it so fast that nobody knows what happens <laughs> and to evaluate it afterwards. 
So that's the two ways that I've, I've learned to do it. Is that how kind of you approach everything? I mean, you seem to have kind of limitless ambition and are involved in so many different projects. Yeah, I think it's, it's always about finding the thing that inspires you to do it because then it doesn't feel ambitious. It's, it's more that you have this thing that is exciting and gives you energy and motivates you and inspires you. And it's not an arduous task. And, and I just happen to get a lot of ideas that inspire me all the time. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for being our guest. I mean, we could, we could talk music all day and I'd, I'd be all good oh. with that. So thank you for this today. John Baptiste has been our guest on 8-Track. Finishing up with this one from the Staple Singers. Talk to me about Freedom Highway. Mavis and the Staple Singers as a group, but Mavis in general for me has been a great example of an artist who is socially conscious and is an activist all in one. She's a very saintly woman. She has an aura about her that um, she had again since the beginning, from day one. And I love the way that she represents the depth of her soul and her humanity and her musical heritage, which goes very deep, all in one person. Staples is one of my favorite guitar players of all time. When you hear him play, it just sounds like a whole lineage of people in one guitar player. <laughs> it's amazing. And his voice is, it's a wonderful contrast between the daughters and him. Because his voice is, is very, it's almost like a, a, a blues crooner. And Mavis is a powerhouse. And the daughters, their voices behind him kind of gives this lift to the music that's very, very special. And this record obviously is special in terms of his documentation in time, Martin Luther King Jr. and all the things that he was doing with them together. I mean, just the representation of this song means so much to me. Freedom Highway from the Staple Singers, chosen by 8-Track guest DJ, John Baptiste. Big thanks to John for the inspiring ride through these songs. There's more inspiration to be found on his latest album, We Are, and more 8-Track to come next week with photographer Danny Clinch. 8-Track is engineered by Jim O'Hara and produced by Sarah Wardrop. Subscribe, listen, and learn more at 8trackpod.com. I'm Russ Boris for WFUV in New York. <laughs>